0: Hey everyone, welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast, where we talk about movies off of the 200 best horror movies of all time list from RottenTomatoes.com. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me, as always, is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, I wish uh, the mo- I wish they brought some Windex for the movie we're doing tonight because <laughs> this mirror needed a <laughs> needed a clean job. I think. But um, oh my god. It, it it's old. It's it's an antique. We are uh, we are of course, if you couldn't tell, talking about 2014's Oculus, which is number 182 on our list, and um, has a 74% Rotten Tomatoes score. We no longer know the adjusted score because they removed it. Um, had you seen this one before?
1: Yes, I had. Um, I think I saw it pretty close to when it came out. Mm-hmm. and i remember i remember liking it more the first time mm. <laughs> i had some uh some qualms this time shall we say <laughs> what about you i
0: had yeah i watched it for the first time i think last year or possibly the year before that when i was i think when i was doing a uh, you know you know in october i was i was trying to do a horror movie a day or something like that and i think this was mm-hmm. one i just threw on um cuz it, it, it's one of those movies that was parentally on uh netflix and so eventually i just (laughs) said "Eh, what the hell go for it and um i didn't at the time know who the writer director was uh which i have some thoughts about as to why this is on the list uh that involve him Mm. but um yeah i i remembered i kind of had a similar feeling the first time as i did to this the first time I kind of was like, I think I might have been working while I was watching it. So I was kind of, wasn't really super engaged by the first half. But then mm-hmm. there's a certain point where it all kind of like kicks into gear. And then from that point on, I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. This time, I found myself going, I thought this was better for the, yeah. for, the for the first half
1: <laughs> me too
0: (laughs) and then when it gets to that point about halfway through i go oh okay all right yeah this stuff is pretty good this is when the good stuff starts
1: right this is what i remember
0: right um so that's uh that's an interesting it's interesting that i i had that reaction both times because i didn't really remember much of the beginning at all um but yeah so uh, uh we'll take a quick break play the trailer and then we will talk about oculus
1: Hello again. You must be hungry. Tim is a healthy adult who represents no danger to himself or anyone else. And I believe he should be discharged. Hey, little brother. I found it. What do you mean? We only have a few days.
0: A few days for what?
1: To keep our promise and kill it. My name is Kayleigh Ann Russell. The purpose of today's experiment is to prove that the object behind me is responsible for at least 45 deaths in the four centuries of its recorded existence. We got a new home, so we get new furniture. It's a bit ostentatious though, don't you think?
0: Hey dad, who's that lady in your office today?
1: What lady? We were just kids. We made up a scary story so we wouldn't have to accept the fact that our father was a sick man who killed our... Mom?
0: Why don't we just end it right now and smash the damn thing?
1: First, I intend to prove that the people I've just described were victims of the supernatural force that resides in that mirror. You want to redeem the family name? You promise me you would never forget what really happened. I was 10 years old. Daddy? <laughs> Tim? Tim, snap out of it.
0: Oculus from 2014 number 182 on our list directed by Mike Flanagan written by Mike Flanagan and Jeff Howard based on a short screenplay by Mike Flanagan and Jeff Sideman, starring Karen Gillen Brenton Thwaites which sounds like a made up name if I've ever seen one <laughs> Katie Sackhoff Rory Cochran and a very sassy demon mirror mm. Amanda what happens in Oculus
1: Haunted by the violent demise of their parents 10 years earlier, adult siblings Kaylee and Tim are now struggling to rebuild their relationship. Kaylee suspects that their antique mirror, known as the Lasser Glass, is behind the tragedy. The seemingly harmless reflections contain a malevolent, supernatural force that infects the mind of anyone who gazes into it. As Kaylee gets closer to the truth, the siblings become caught in the mirror's evil spell. Mm-hmm. So, Clay. Mm. Some things you'll find in this movie include... I have to know. 18th century Stanley Tucci lookalikes.
0: He's hard to miss. Got those circle glasses.
1: <laughs> always uh, always
0: mo- a solid performance from Stanley Tucci, whether it's actually <laughs> him or a 18th century lookalike.
1: Yeah, 18th, 19th, 20th, whatever century you want, Stanley Tucci's got it down. A
0: tooch for every occasion. <laughs>
1: uh lengthy direct to camera exposition mhm uh poor interior decorating choices mhm very the most dangerous apple since the book of genesis
0: it'll get you tossed out of paradise and send you to the dentist
1: and of course questionable parenting
0: yes i yes. um <laughs> i think a lot of it <laughs> of, of quite a bit and uh i think every movie and television show Mike Flanagan makes is just one big questionable parenting movie that he's yeah. keeps doing over and over again um,
1: <laughs> if this is questionable parenting the podcast he's always making questionable parenting the movie
0: yes yes which I mean we should have a, I, we should have him on he's from Salem maybe we could get him I don't know
1: hey neighbor
0: um, but yeah it's uh, this is we can talk a, a little bit more about him and, and uh, later but this is very much a, a Mike Flanagan story because having just watched uh, Haunting of Bly Manor there mm. is a lot of stuff going on in this structurally and whatnot not that, that is very similar to that um, yeah and you know it, Dr. Sleep is kind of similar there's, there's a lot of stuff going on that, that uh, he likes to play with but um, <clears throat> I said at the beginning that I, I kind of had a, a, a reactions to, to the two sides of this movie, the beginning and, and the second half. And it mm-hmm. really is a, uh, this movie is a tale of two halves, but the thing that I can't figure out, and uh, if you'd like to jump off from here, is mm-hmm. this movie a slow burn, or is the first half just bad? <laughs> um,
1: I, I think it's attempting to be a slow burn, mm-hmm. but I Kind of think the first half just is kind of bad, mm. which I hate. I hate even saying that because I do really enjoy the second half, mm. yeah. and I am a fan of Mike Flanagan in general. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like, I like the themes he sort of tends to grapple with. I like that sort of perspective he brings to to horror, and yeah. But I still just don't. I think the first half of this is it just gets it. It feels so long yeah. at points.
0: It really it really does take um it takes a while to really get going and I'm not someone that needs it to be uh <clears throat> excuse me, needs it to be a roller coaster right away, but there's something about the pacing of the first half of this that just doesn't it just doesn't click with me. And I think part of that is the long sequence kind of in the in the at the end of the first act. Where Karen Gillan spends not a small amount of time uh, recounting the backstory of this cursed mirror. And then Hmm. that's followed up by sort of arguments with her brother about their family history at length, kind of. Um, And I think it's just all of that stuff put together in the same, so concentrated in the same section of the movie that makes it feel like it. they're taking forever to get to, get to the good stuff.
1: Yeah. And then when you add to that, that there was this sort of, um, the beginning sequences, which I, th- I think for Tim, for the brother, it makes sense that you sort of see him, um, uh, getting discharged from the facility he's been living in. Mm-hmm. Um, because it sets up sort of the central, like, wait a minute, how did this very normal-seeming guy end up in this position? And then you hear him say, I think, at one point to his therapist as he's getting discharged, you know, well, I, I shot my father and blah, blah, blah. So I, th- I think that, that works because it, it sets things up pretty quickly and gives you something that you're curious about really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, the parts that I think work less, kind of going along with what you were saying about... The uh, her, Karen Gillan's character direct to camera just holding up f- black and white photos and, and discussing history. Um, th- before that even, there's the scenes where she is with her fiance mm-hmm. and they work at like, what, Christie's or something? Yeah, some like, auction house. <clears throat> yeah, and isn't she supposed to be like 23 and... I don't know.
0: Yes, yeah, she's she's very young and has this like very high up position at an auction house which apparently gives her free reign to just borrow the stuff that they they have at auction because it's the, the whole yeah. the whole setup is that first of all there's this mirror that's the, from some royal estate or whatever that is also a mirror that her family got at like a yard sale 20 years yeah. ago or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then after yeah, and that then, the mirror itself sells for like $16,000 or something or is it more than I think it might be more than that. I think it's a it's a ridiculous amount of money. And she yeah. just she just borrows it. Like she like uh it's it's getting ready to be shipped to the person who bought it and she's just like, "You know what? I, I got a big trunk. I'll throw it in the back of my yeah. car. I'll drive it myself." <laughs> it's like that kind of thing. It's it's very odd.
1: Well, yeah, and and the whole sequence around like her watching the auction um and and sort of watching that the 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 bidding on on the glass and then her overseeing it getting like packed a certain way it's just so it, it's kind of unnecessary to the movie in my in my opinion I think mm-hmm. it would have been more compelling had she just said to her brother you know well what why don't you come meet me at the house like we'll talk. And then he shows up and she's like, all right, you're here. Look what I got. Mm. Look what I have set up. Like, I think you could have done it more like that. And then given them more time, because I, I also think part of what makes the first half feel so slow, even when you know what's coming in the second half, is that the second half is really good. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be nice if maybe they got, they at least started moving into that phase of the movie a little sooner Mm. and they gave it a little more time and, and sort of maybe had a little more opportunity to play with things.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's hamstrung a little bit by um, the autopsy of Jane Doe Memorial expendable character award, which is her boyfriend or fiance who is (laughs) really, who is really only there to have someone to kill late in the third act, you know? Yeah, um, so I it's it's I think it's one of those weird sort of um, backtracking things where it's like okay, well we need someone to, to to we need to throw some gore and have a murder or something happen at this point in the story, but there's only really two people in the story. Uh, what if she's got a boyfriend? Okay, well, why would he be there? Uh, what if they work together at the auction house or something, and that's how she gets the meal <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure, sounds good. So you introduce him in the first ten minutes, and then he doesn't come back until he gets uh, a broken uh, pottery, sliced his neck open. Which it's actually, um, very similar. That that character is almost identical to yeah the autopsy of Jane Doe character who is there. To have like one conversation with her about her state of mind, and mm-hmm. and her family, and then he disappears, and then shows up for again for literally maybe five seconds before he gets killed.
1: My one thing is, I I will say one reason why I actually like the inclusion of the fiance mm-hmm. is then it sets up that great um that she has him calling her cell phone every hour yes, or every like. Yes however long to, to check on her. And I just I think that's so great when she's killed him and then her phone rings and she picks it up and it's him on the other end being like, Hey, how how are you? You guys okay in there?
0: Yeah, yeah. That stuff is really good. The the yeah. the stuff that they set up as the way the um the way the mirror messes with you is very cool. Like it's creates yeah. this sort of like dream logic world where you can't trust what you're looking at um i guess unless you're looking through a camera because at the end towards yeah. the end she she <laughs> starts looking at stuff through her through the phone on uh, through the camera on her iphone and it's like she can see the reality through the phone which is a little weird but
1: yeah and then and then the brother doesn't the brother does the brother smash it or does she – somebody smashes the phone, right?
0: Yeah, there's a certain point where, like, even that is untrustworthy. Like, that's, that's the yeah. stuff that I think is great because they do – once they really start ratcheting up the tension uh, and hitting you with these really great gags, they um, they kind of bring it to a point where you really have no idea what's really happening, what isn't – what's a memory, what's someone, like, reliving yeah. a, a past trauma – and it kind of you're kind of all over. All, I said a roller coaster ride. It's kind of that's how how you are. Like you're not really sure what's up and what's down. And then they kind of hit you with the uh, with the end there that I think works pretty well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I I especially like the moments where one of the characters you know either has been in the room with or or realizes they're in the room with their sibling, and they turn and it's like the little kid version.
0: Yes. Like, yes.
1: I I like those transitions where it's like adult Tim turns and it's like you know ten year old Kaylee behind him instead of twenty three year old.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff is great because it's it's a uh, again that's something that he he's done in in other stuff he does that kind of stuff in uh, Bly Manor quite a bit I think. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It's it works very well. How do you feel about the backstory on the mirror? because they Karen Gillan goes into this whole thing where she starts somewhat this mirror apparently was important enough that there is a documented history of it and the things that happened yeah. around it for the past 300 <laughs> years but it is it is not so not so important that this family couldn't have bought it at like a swap meet or something
1: in in the like 1990s yes yeah um so I, I think it's interesting because the mirror, so the mi- the mirror, again, I, I keep thinking of the autopsy of Jane Doe mm. where... They're
0: very similar, actually.
1: They are. when you, Especially like the more you think about it, the more similar they are mm. where like the, the Jane Doe's body has become a vessel for this like malevolent force the same way this mirror is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're functioning out of the same need... Mm -hmm. but I think they get the same result in that they kill whoever comes in contact with it and just migrate on to the next people.
0: Right. Well, Um, what's interesting about that, not to kind of sideswipe a little mm -hmm. bit, but I very clearly in my head remembered a scene in this movie that does not exist. And that scene is at the end of the movie, I could have sworn there was a scene where you see the mirror getting dropped off at the next person's house which seems like a like a a no-brainer right because this the whole thing is about how this mirror has gone place to place to place and uh how it's caused damage and killed people and whatnot and then at the end of the movie the mirror wins and then it's on to on to chicago you know but it's (laughs) but they don't do that and i was very surprised by that because of the the uh the jane doe parallel was was in my head where it's like well yeah that she's it's the same kind of conceit where they find her buried uh in a place where damage has been done she gets moved to the next place damage is done there and then they move her yep. on to the next place afterwards
1: yeah yeah no it it it's interesting that they didn't go that route i i wonder if it was partially to like let that end shot be of Tim getting dragged out of the house again. Because mm-hmm. that em- that kind of more emphasizes the cyclical nature of, like, the family trauma that's going on mm-hmm. rather than focusing on the mirror itself. Because as much as the mirror takes an active part in- and is very important in this movie, it's not the focus. It's not, like... Like, in, in Jane Doe... Her body is so central mm-hmm. to, like, every shot, every piece of, of action, almost every scene. Really, like, her physical presence is so important to it. Right. There are whole sections of Oculus, e- even the section part of in the second half when they're in the house, there are whole scenes where the mirror is completely out of view. And you almost sort of forget that the mirror is is the, like instigating object or force mm-hmm. in the story. It's like the story is already, it's kind of run, it's running on its own based off of the, the human characters rather than the evil object. Like it's almost the mirror becomes almost secondary to the story that's being told.
0: Right. And you know, that, that is something that I think Mike Flanagan does really well for better or worse. Mm. Um, because the, you know, this, like I said, this is very much his, his, one of his movies it's got a lot of the hallmarks of his stuff like multi-generational family demons uh Mm -hmm. time jumps and most importantly literal and figurative ghosts that's that's the thing that he does really well (laughs) i think for better or worse where whatever the horror element is is usually a um if not a an, an active metaphor, it is it is kind of just the vessel for these other more um, metaphorical demons and and ghosts, what have you, that the characters are dealing with.
1: Yeah, I mm-hmm. I, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Because mm-hmm.
0: um, it it gives it. I mean, I, ideally, you want to have something like that baked into any mo- horror movie you're doing, because it automatically makes. The stuff you're doing that much heavier, you know.
1: Yeah it it adds it adds stakes,
0: right? Like, right.
1: And and like a, an emotional foundation to things that makes it easier to become invested in the characters and what they're going through than say in a movie like, you know, Friday the Thirteenth, where you might like a lot of those those teens who are coming to work at the camp, but you don't really know anything about their like emotional inner lives, the things that they've had to go through. Like, so when they die, it has less of an impact.
0: Unless you get my favorite kind of scene where they just kind of sit around and talk to each other about what their literal and figurative ghosts actually are. Which which,
1: happens a lot at at points in this movie.
0: Yeah, that stuff. (laughs) Well, I think it's different, you know, because that stuff tends to drive me nuts. But in a movie like Friday the 13th, You're just doing that to try and, like, a last gasp, give some character to these people before they get killed. Whereas in a movie like this, it is kind of the point. Like, they are dealing with this family trauma of uh, her father or their father torturing and, I think, killing their mother. And then ultimately the, the brother shoots the father and kills him. But there's this mirror element involved where um, they she she is smart enough to not really talk about it but uh, the brother apparently um, I don't know if if it was if it was part of why he got committed or if it was just because of the uh, killing of his father but this mirror is the the uh, the spotlight of negative energy that is kind of uh, making all this stuff happen um so, in that case, talking about these old family ghosts and stuff and and family problems makes sense,
1: yeah, yeah, and I like um there's there's a way that that they do do it a few times that I actually really like, which is um, one of the siblings will tell a story or or I should say like recount an event mm-hmm. in their in their childhood, and the other one will be like what are you talking about? That's not how it happened.
0: Yes, that was, I like that a lot too, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then it shows you like the slightly different version of the memory. Like there's there's Kaylee's versions of the memories where it is this like eerie, evil mirror, slow descent into madness thing. And then there's Tim's version of a bunch of the memories. And it's just like, no, yeah, dad was having an affair.
0: Right, right. <laughs> like yeah. very
1: but bad, but mundane bad.
0: Right. Which I think is is an interesting way to play it because then you can bring in t- – obviously this thing has a literal history of, of demonic uh, uh, possession and deeds attached to it. But you can bring that element of is this – is the mirror really a monster mirror that's causing this to happen or is that just projection from the kids to explain away uh, the misdeeds of their parents that they can't understand at that age.
1: Yeah, they do. Um, I think they kind of gesture at that concept, of that, like introducing that question of whether or not the mirror is actually literal evil, um, especially when I, I think Tim says to Kaylee, how many files or news articles or cases did you have to look through? To find those 10.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: So he's like kind of implying that it could just be if this item has been around and moved from person to person and place to place for 300 years. Mm. Of course there's going to be some tra- tragedy and trauma and death around it. Yeah. And that's just inevitable over time.
0: I do also really appreciate that they don't play it like a mystery because uh, I... When Wes, the the Star Trek episodes Wes and I have been doing lately have been a lot of um, storytelling shortcuts by just making something a mystery and withholding information and hoping that people care about what the answer is. Mm. And I think this could very easily have fallen into that trap with all these flashbacks, because once you start doing flashbacks, unless you're really careful with them, it can turn into, okay, what's the punchline of this flashback going to be? This doesn't have that because the st- you know going in what happened. You know that there was, more or less, you know that the, yeah. the mirror is a demon mirror, and it used to be in their house, and something <laughs> awful happened. So it's not a mystery as to, it's not this big reveal that uh, who gets killed or whatever. You know kind right. of what's go- what's going to happen, just not exactly how it's going to happen. So it then becomes interesting. What's generating your interest is, how it happens, how these things manifest, how they start breaking down and whatnot. Um, and I I appreciate that a lot.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, the more we talk about this and the more I think about it in the context of stuff uh, that I've been looking at in school, it's sort of like this is a really interesting exercise. It's almost like a postmodernist take on like like, time, because it has Mm -hmm. this really interesting non-linear time element about it, where you start with the like, given stated facts of what happened, and then you work backwards from there, almost, but not exactly backwards. Mm -hmm. It's all sort of like like cyclical and, and sort of swirled together, where you're moving from one piece of the memory to the next, almost in terms of association more than in terms of, like, A linear time frame moving forward
0: it's like something will trigger a certain memory that isn't tied to where you are narratively in the film it's just right yeah yeah i like that and i also i really appreciate that they kind of invert the characters a bit where i feel like traditionally the brother who has been in a mental institute since he since the uh incident where the parents were killed would be the one who comes out of the mental institute uh, and is like, "Okay, now I'm out. I can finally, I can finally do the th- get revenge on this monster that no one has believed existed, which is why they put me in this mental institute." And then his sister would be like, "But that doesn't exist. You need to. Yeah. <laughs> it was all dad. Dad killed mom, or whatever. They flip that. Yeah. They flip that and have the." Uh, supernatural stuff having been therapied out of him so Mm -hmm. he comes out of the mental institute with all of these uh, signposts or not signposts but uh, therapy related things to grab onto to explain what happened whereas the sister is kind of crazy because she's been spending (laughs) 20 years or, or 15 years or however researching this thing Probably specifically getting her job at the auction house just in case. I think she says that, right? Sort of like she's working at the auction Probably. house. she, she finally <laughs> managed to get the I would be surprised if she got through. her
1: fiance just in case.
0: Right? Yeah. Like she is. She's the one who is who is uh, all in on the craziness of this mirror. And when they start doing their whatever, the brother is the one who's trying to reason with her. Um, he's being the 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 uh, the rational one. Um, Instead of instead of uh, the person from the mental institute is the rational one instead of the person who's been living outside, which is a nice a nice flip.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And even even the 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 gender aspects of it, too, like, you know, she's not just like, oh, I'm you know, I'm I'm really worried about you and this isn't healthy. And, you know, you just got out. Maybe you just need to, you know, you know, calm down. Like there's none of that. Mm -hmm. She's like kind of almost harsh in her. Beliefs like she's not gonna back down. She's like moving forward regardless of what he has to say.
0: Yeah, he has. She has no regard for for the fact that he just got out of a mental you know,
1: institute. Like she's a, like mildly a psychopath. Yeah, oh, and I, definitely.
0: Yeah, She's yeah. She's nuts. And <laughs> like as soon it. as as soon as she finds out he got out, she calls him and she's like, "I need you to come to the house. I found the mirror. We have to destroy yeah. it." <laughs> <laughs> um. We were talking a little bit about about the uh, the backstory of the mirror and all these stories they tell and whatnot. Mm. Would you have preferred it? Because like I like that stuff, and I actually I, yeah. uh, I I like it in concept. I like the idea of it. And in the trivia for this on IMDb, it was said that Stephen King loved this movie, and I a hundred percent understand why, because Mike Flanagan and Stephen King are definitely interested in the same, same stuff thematically um, yeah. where, where it's, you know, the monsters are generally the monster. Isn't the monster. It's usually the people that are the monster and the monster is just sort of like a, uh, an accent for the stuff that the people are doing. And also those stories about the history of the mirror, I a hundred percent could see those being dedicated chapters in the Stephen King 500 page version of Oculus.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's actually, that's really interesting. Yeah. It would be like, um, God, I wish I could remember if in the book, the shining, if you get more of the backstory to all the ghosts in the hotel.
0: Yeah. I don't remember either. My, the, the one that I was thinking of was it. Cause it has oh, a I lot of those. Read that one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has a lot of those side stories in it where it, uh, where it it will just kind of have a non sequitur for the lack of a better term about something that happened in the history of the town involving Pennywise like uh, we, we mentioned it in the show um, that's the scene it's in it begins the second chapter of it the movie uh, where the oh yeah uh, the, the gay couple gets assaulted and 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 murdered, I guess.
1: Yeah, the the hate crime.
0: (laughs) Yes, yeah. Like, that's kind of just a segmented story or a separated story in the book just to kind of give this, uh, flesh out this history of of what Pennywise has been doing and and how it's been manifesting and stuff. And I 100% see those stories as something like that where, you know, if this was a book, you'd do a few chapters talking about them and then the next chapter is about 18th century Stanley Tucci and then you come back to the present. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, So I like, I typically like that kind of stuff too. I just feel like in this movie where that first half is so slow mm-hmm. and then she goes through so many of these and it really is just her talking into a a camera on a tripod and then occasionally bickering with her brother and there's really not a whole hell of a lot else going on Mm. when she does them. I, I just, I wonder if like do you think they would have been I don't know, like maybe maybe if they had shown some as like flashbacks? Like Well, I was wondering, you know
0: it I think it fleshes it out nicely to have that stuff in there but I honestly don't know if you need it at all other than uh I can't remember if I've mentioned this already. um it may have been the last time we tried to do this, but <laughs> there's uh I, I recently have been thinking a lot about a uh something I read about Clint Eastwood taking two pages of dialogue from or uh expository backstory dialogue from uh, the script of you know the good, the bad, and the Ugly, or one of those Sergio Leone westerns. Yeah. and condensing it down. It, it was supposed to be this exposition about why he does what he does, why he decided to get involved with this sto- with this story or whatever, this long-winded explanation. And he condensed it down to because once there was a family and nobody came. And it's like that's... Yeah. It's just such a beautiful summation in two lines uh, that gets you where you need to go. And I, f- I wonder if... That's the kind of thing here where it's like you could. I feel like you could allude to this stuff and make reference to it, but I don't know if you need to spend as much time going through the stories. I guess it's. I guess it's really a matter of taste.
1: Yeah, I. I, I think maybe if the beginning section had been structured otherwise, like, like if of, if some if some aspect of of it had been structured differently, you could have probably worked a couple in there and, and had it had it still work, but just the pacing feels so, so off in that first half. So, like, when, when you were reading um, the background information on this, it was interesting to me when you said it was originally based on a short film. Yes, yeah. As soon as I heard that, I was like, ah, I get it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they took something that had been written to be this probably very, like, tight condensed story. And then to make it into a, a feature length movie, you had to add to it somehow.
0: Yeah. Which is funny. Cause, uh, I, that's one of the things I said about Jane Doe is where I, it, I thought it felt like it was a short, a short film that they expanded out, even though it wasn't. Cause it had that same kind of feeling where it's like, they've got the core idea, which is really solid and can probably yeah. get you like 45 minutes to an hour. But then you got to get that other 40 minutes or so. And so you just kind of got to start throwing stuff at the wall and see what works to to figure out how to extend it out.
1: Was um was a girl walks home alone at night also initially a short.
0: I think so. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Something
1: <laughs> something we've done definitely was, and I can't quite pin it down. I think it might have been that one, but yeah. I could I could be wrong. But
0: I actually the short film is on YouTube. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Yeah. Uh, I kind of wish that I had, but you know. I'm not uh, the best host here, but
1: <laughs> are you? Are you? Are you not the? What? What's the Batman quote? He's not the hero we deserve. He's the hero we need.
0: Yes, yes, that's it. That's me. <laughs> Living long enough to see myself become the villain. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, do you think? I think it's it's kind of interesting to me, actually, because this I don't know where the line would be for this. If you said, "Oh, this was based on a short film," I don't know if if that would be my first thought. Because, like I, you know, I was saying with Jane Doe, generally there's that kind of feeling where it's like, "Okay, I can see what the core of this was, and I can see where they stretched it out," but the core of Oculus the stuff that if you want to call the second half of it the stuff where they stretch it out i think that stuff just works better so it's tough it's tough to find that line
1: oh see i i was thinking that the the sort of added material was the beginning the first half
0: well what i do know about the short film is it looks like it takes place in one room and it's it's like a guy talking to a camera essentially
1: oh yeah <laughs> didn't you <laughs> When we watched this, didn't you joke that it was based on a a, a stage production, yes, like yes, a play? And yes. we all were like, wait, really? And you were like, no, not at all. Well, uh,
0: you know, I, <laughs> I, I jokingly said that because the first half really feels like a play almost because it's so talky and they are yeah. really getting into these sort of like dramatic scenes where it's two people at a table Talking about their family history that we don't have any frame of reference for in it, and you got to try to. They're they're doing all this exposition, and it's getting, the emotions are heating up, and it's 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 not super visual at that point. It's very talky.
1: Yeah. No. It 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 definitely is, but uh. Yeah, I. This movie is like, I can't tell if the story is just, it just becomes secondary in my mind to some of the, the sort of horror gags that come later or mm-hmm. the style. Like I can't tell if I enjoy it because of the story or if I just enjoy it purely because of the style in the second half.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I was just, uh, as we were talking, I was kind of scrubbing through the short film uh, and it, it is very much the scene with uh karen gillen talking about the history of the mirror that is Mm. it seems to be most of the movie most of the short
1: wow yeah it's a
0: lot of it's it's basically her whole um her whole plan about isolating it and trying to record everything that's essentially the core of what the the short film is it seems um so it's funny that they do all of that in the span of like 15 minutes yeah but yeah the i think it's it's it is really interesting, like you're saying, because the second half almost feels like a. the style is very different from the first half. And um, I think the gags work really good. Like I, the, the, the sort of uh, line for me where it starts to get into the good stuff is uh, the light bulb, where she bites into the light bulb oh, thinking God. it's an apple, which is a fantastic gag, which they really let you sit in that one. <laughs> Where she's like pulling pieces of glass out of her mouth. It's great.
1: Oh. Yeah. And that's, that's so well shot too, because like you see it, hap- like you see it happening. You see it like her putting the light bulb down next to the apple she was just eating. Mm-hmm. Like just the way, the way it's put together and, and, and framed and, and everything is, is really well done as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, the fingernail thing is great.
1: Oh, wah, wah! No,
0: <laughs>
1: I can't. I can't. I just, I am not super squeamish, but the fingernail stuff, it it really like, it just gets to me. I don't know why.
0: Yeah, yeah. I that stuff doesn't really bother me that much. I I I get more of a kick out of it seeing how much it bothers other people.
1: <laughs> I do remember you saying, that.
0: "Yeah, like uh, I know the one that people talk about a lot is is the uh, the hangnail in in Black Swan, where oh. she picks the hangnail and it just goes all the way down her finger." Ah. When I saw that in the theater, the rea- the reaction from the the audience was just uh, was was great. It's you know I, I I just have a lot of respect for being able to do something so simple and get such a response out of people.
1: Well, yeah, because I I, th- I think it's a very like a visceral thing because you can imagine it happening yes, to you Yeah. like like for for instance some people cut their fingers very badly while chopping vegetables in their kitchen i have
0: done this yes
1: <laughs> uh yeah but but so it's it's like a it's like you can make it really visually uh jarring mm-hmm. but it's also very like an understandable hurt. Whereas watching somebody get like their arm cut off, you're just like, well, an arm got cut off. But like watching somebody like their fingernail, it's just like, Oh God, like you can imagine it happening to you.
0: Yeah. And you know, stuff like that, those more relatable, smaller things do get really like, like if you ever see somebody get like a a nasty paper cut in a movie, you go, you know, paper cuts are awful to begin with. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And and any anytime that they they weaponize them in a movie it's 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 that much worse. um but yeah, like he the way that they do it where he's got the the bandage around his the band-aid on his finger and he's like trying to pull at the band-aid bandaid and then they do the hard cut to the to him actually pulling the fingernail off of his finger. Excellent.
1: I looked away. I couldn't do it
0: and just to just to make you feel even more squeamish, when, oh, when I Clay. did cut my finger while I was cutting vegetables. I don't have very much memory of what it felt like. I have a very sharp, clear memory of what it sounded like. (gasps) Because I cut through my thumbnail. And the sound that it made will never leave my ears as long as I live. (laughs) Stop
1: it. (laughs) Oh my God, no. Oh God, this is like an audio audio horror right now yeah for me (laughs) oh god yep well thanks for that yeah
0: no problem um
1: (laughs) won't be having nightmares about that tonight or anything
0: the uh uh yeah what uh what other gags did you like in this i i I really like the one where um the mom, what was it? The mom was in the study, or she thought somebody was in the study, but there was nobody in there. And she, oh, a dog. There was a dog in the study, right?
1: That she yeah. thought was
0: barking all day. Like that, that those little things that they were doing to imply that the mother was maybe just going crazy. Uh-huh. I I thought was really good. Um,
1: I liked um, when they the the siblings uh, the adult siblings have been arguing and then they come back into the study where the mirror is hanging and all of the camera equipment has been turned around to point at itself mm, Yeah, and everything is like weird. And then they, they roll back the, they roll back the tape and they see themselves doing it while they're still having, like while they have the argument, they thought they were having like out in the hall or something. Yeah. I, I like that one a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That one's, that one's very good. Um, I, I thought the, I, I really, liked the ending uh the way the mirror manages to get the upper hand on it because it, there's a certain yeah. point i feel like there's a certain point where that you can see the kids lose control of the battle because it stops becoming about destroying the mirror and it it becomes more about them sort of uh uh facing facing the elements that happened when they were kids And so you get that moment where uh, Karen Gillan, as a child, sees the mother in the mirror. And so she goes to hug the mom. And because they've established this thing that you're not seeing necessarily what everybody else is seeing, the brother Mm -hmm. doesn't see this happen. So he has the wherewithal to go and hit the kill switch that'll cause the thing to hit the mirror. But he doesn't see that his sister's there. And so it kills his sister. It's just really well done
1: yeah it is it is a little bit like um like this mouse trap has been set yeah and you're just waiting the whole time they like they get in the house you're just you're you know that that big anchor or whatever she has suspended over it like you know it's gonna come down you just don't know what it's gonna hit when it does right yes and so you spend the whole second half of the of the movie with that kind of in the back of your head as everything else is happening um yeah, I think I think the ending is great. And the way yeah, the way it's set up where there are like everybody is living there they're living in their own realities and the mirror has successfully like diverted them and distracted them so well into kind of fighting themselves and fighting each other right, rather than right. paying attention to like the real problem in the room. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty slick slick story once it gets going um how do you feel about it as a whole though we kind of we kind of separated into these two pieces where it's like yeah it's kind of slow at the beginning but then it gets pretty good how do you feel of as a as a whole piece
1: i i think overall i still like it um i think it does enough interesting stuff on both sides to merit being on this list and and all of that Mm -hmm. Um, in that's that, like, especially, okay. hmm?
0: that's interesting. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. well, we'll get into that in a minute. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs>
1: um, well, because I, I think it, it subverts a few tropes really interestingly. Um, I think, I, I, I think it works in the end. I would mm-hmm. change some stuff in that first half, but I think as a whole, it's a pretty successful horror movie.
0: Yeah. No, I I agree. I think it's um, much like Autopsy of Jane Doe, I do think it sits in that sort of... I don't know if I would call this one a cult movie because I don't really hear a lot of people talk about it as much as I do Autopsy of Jane Doe, but I think it kind of falls into that same basket um, where... If so, if if you're if you're kind of if if you're if you put it on not expecting much, I think you will be pleasantly surprised by it. Um, unless unless the first half, you don't get through the first half.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's interesting in terms of um, you know where where Mike Flanagan has sort of in the last couple of years made such a, a stronger name for himself and mm-hmm. and made a little bit more of a mark with the last few things that he's come out with. I think it's really interesting to watch this movie if you like his other stuff. Mm. Um, because you can sort of see... It, it, it's similar to... Um, oh, my God. Um, the Innkeepers and um, House of the Devil? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's kind of similar to that, where you can see him, like, chewing on those themes that are, like, the big preoccupying themes for him. Right, right. Um, and this is sort of, like... I don't know if this is where he starts with it, but it's it's definitely like an interesting early example of him working on those themes compared to like, you know, Hill House or 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 Bly Manor or even Doctor Sleep. Right. It's like kind of kind of intriguing to to put them all together.
0: Yeah, I'm uh well, I think that's a a good point to talk about the the where it sits on the list and whether or not it deserves to be there because um as as we've talked about, this uh, seems to be a very um, modern and populist leaning list where yeah. <laughs> the newer stuff that has higher ratings tends to end up there very high on the list. And uh, I was looking through it because I was like, Oculus, you know, if I was thinking of 200 great horror movies, I don't know if Oculus would, if that's one I would pick. Um. Mm. This has this list has all of Mike Flanagan's movies but one. Oh and wow! I can't. I have to imagine. Not that I don't think that they're bad. I mean, not that I think they're bad. <laughs> I have to imagine that has to have something to do with the fact that he's just hot right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I, I can't argue that. That's probably correct. <laughs>
0: Like it even it has uh, uh, I'm sorry it's it's missing two of them, but like
1: oh, well. <laughs> one of
0: the other ones on there is Ouija Origin of Evil which is a sequel to a movie based on the concept of just the Ouija board which I don't <laughs> think was any good the first one was very good but the second one has an 82 percent Rotten Tomatoes score which makes what? me really interested to watch it. Because I'm really curious to see, is this legitimately just like a sleeper good movie that happens to be the sequel to a movie based on the Ouija board concept, you know, (laughs) as as trademarked by Parker Brothers or whoever owns it? Or is it just on there because it's like it has a, a Mike Flanagan bump because he is still popular at the moment?
1: Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I I will be curious if by the time we get around to it, if it's even still on the list. Uh,
0: it's it's been there since day one. Um, it's kind wow. of it's in. I don't think it's enough. I don't think it's going to get completely bumped uh-huh. because it's actually higher than this movie. Oculus is huh. one eighty two. Ouija Origin of Evil is one fifty nine. Um.
1: Now I'm just confused.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> jumping back, how do you feel about the placement on the list of of Oculus? Too low, too high, does it does it deserve to be here?
1: I mean, I I I still stand by the statement that I think it I think it considering the other movies on the list, there are other movies I would bump off probably before I bumped this one.
0: Sure, sure.
1: Um, I know that's not exactly like a ringing endorsement. <laughs> Um, but I, I think it does. It captures a couple like classic horror movie tropes. And then also sort of adds that like, you know, the way he does gimmicks, like the the, the gags and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, and if, if for nothing else, then I think the child actors in this are great.
0: Yeah, they are. They're very good. Yes.
1: They're very good.
0: Um, yeah, at 182, this placement actually—if you're going to put this on the list—182 isn't a bad place to put it, because uh, it's close enough to the bottom where I can kind of go, yeah, all right, that's fine. And yeah. <laughs> looking at the movies that it's ahead of, I have a couple problems, um, but it doesn't—it's not quite as egregious as some of the other ones have been,
1: like The Shining. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh it
0: is it is right in front of Candyman, so I guess 182, 183 is just where all the mirror based horror movies get set. Oh. <laughs> and like if you if you called Candyman through the Oculus, would that like be like crossing the streams and, and Ghostbusters and everything would just explode? Or would you summon like Super Candyman because you summoned him through a demon mirror?
1: Or would they cancel each other out and yeah. like both explode or something i don't know yeah
0: maybe maybe calling Candyman through the demon mirror actually just takes away both their power and you just get a nice mirror and like uh some friendly bees
1: (laughs) i mean bees are very important to the environment clay yeah
0: yeah um but yeah i think for me if it's gonna be on the list i think 182 is a fine place to put it um yeah yeah i'm uh yeah, it's there's a couple glaring ones that I don't think I would put it in front of, but uh, overall I think it's a, it's a fine placement. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think this this movie is kind of it's interesting because it has so many great moments and and visual scenes, mm-hmm. but there's so much of it that I think we're both kind of lukewarm about that sure. we just get this sort of like meh.
0: Would you recommend it? If someone said, I'm looking for a horror movie to watch, give me something outside the box, would would it be on the list of things that you said, hey, why don't you give Oculus a shot?
1: Uh probably not mm. unless I knew the person like enjoyed other Mike Flanagan stuff or kind of like, you know, oh I, I love Karen Gillen, she's the best. Sure. Like I if I had like a very specific reason to to recommend it I I would. I wouldn't I wouldn't tell people to stay away from it. Yeah. Um yeah. I I think I would just have to forewarn people that like you're going to have to sit through like 40 minutes that you might find <laughs> really boring.
0: Yeah, it's definitely one of those ones where you're like I it's pretty good. I just got to tell you just stick with it. Just stick with yeah. it and it's because you're probably going to get texts from them being like this movie. What's going on? This is kind of boring. And then you got to be like, just stick with it when she eats yeah. the apple, everything yeah. after that's great.
1: <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's tough to recommend a movie like that. It's it's not one that you would uh, pass along in an effort to impress anybody. Yes, yes.
0: Well, yeah, I think uh, unless you had anything else you wanted to touch on, I think that's going to do it for Oculus.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I think I've, I've seen everything I need to see.
0: <laughs> so for next time, we actually, uh, we were supposed to, we're coming up on a, an, a multiple of five, so we were supposed to do yes. a wild card, which <laughs> I, ha- I have already picked out. We're gonna do 1989 <laughs> Society. However, oh boy. however, uh, I, I looked at the, the calendar and realized that that would be dropping on. December 23rd and society is not really a Christmas movie so why don't we take an opportunity (laughs) to do a Christmas movie so we're gonna mix it up a little bit instead of me coming up with a Christmas movie that's not on the list Mm. we're gonna do number 199 which is 1974's Black Christmas Ooh, yeah which I'm I'm very excited about because you have not seen that right
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm very excited because I have not seen it, and you and others have told me that I I need to watch this one. So, yeah, I'm pumped for this one.
0: It is the the, uh, godfather of the slasher movie, and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, oddly enough, it is directed by Bob Clark, the guy who directed A Christmas Story, so he's got a bit of a bookend there. (laughs)
1: I mean, the man's got one theme, and he's just trying variations on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of them was, well, I guess they were both successful. We'll talk about that when we get to it. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for us on Rotten Horror Picture Show. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, give us a rating or review on iTunes. That would be great. Uh, thank you, Amanda, for joining me.
1: Thank you, Clay.
0: And we will see you next time for Black Christmas.
1: Bye, everybody.